Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. I'm so grateful you tuned in today. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited uh, to share this guest with you today. Uh, he's a, somebody that I recently met. Uh, today, we've got Jason Wild joining us. Jason, as I know him, he's a dad, he's a husband, an entrepreneur, a fractional CTO, and so much more that we get to learn about as we go along. So with that, I'm going to ask Jason to fill in any of the background that he would like us to know. Jason, thank you for being here and welcome to Why Not Me? Hey, Todd. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to speak with you and to have your guests listen to me. So what you missed, not much. Uh, maybe a startup founder um, and just a, just a lover of all business in general. And I enjoy the outdoors. We're going to throw something else non-business in there. So, as a startup founder, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on that one first. Uh, sure. How many how many startups have you been part part of? How many how many times a founder? You know, qualifying a startup is kind of interesting because some people qualify startups as just an idea, which obviously it's not accurate. So there's uh, there have been uh, two startups that we've gotten up, and one that we had some revenue on, which was fantastic. The first one was a startup that dealt, this is all pre-Google uh, tagging every video. It was a startup involving um, kind of touch commerce in a way where a person could interact with the content that they would see in a video stream. It could be on your mobile, it could be on your TV, and it would allow people to you know, touch a video, say it's on your phone or on your iPad, uh, you could touch the video and it would become uh, interactive to the extent where people could share the, the content they saw, they could interact with it, meaning they could uh, save it, search on it, or even purchase it. And then the uh, most recent startup was a startup called Wasted, which is or was a business-to-business uh, -business, uh, waste marketplace where businesses in the appropriate cities could go on to the marketplace and put up for bidding their solid municipal waste and their recycling such that the appropriate haulers in that city could then do a reverse bid process over a 24-hour period, after which the businesses could either accept it or deny it, and or not accept it, that is, and you know, uh, form a relationship from there with that hauler. And it was wonderful. We had uh, several haulers in the marketplace. We had a few businesses in the, on the marketplace. And we were cutting the fat out of what was literally a, a waste broker that is still very, 
as a waste brokerage industry, which is still a very uh, prevalent industry that most people do not realize uh, exists. And because of it, they are oftentimes paying, you know, I'd say several hundred to sometimes several thousand dollars more a month in their waste collection than they need to. Um, so we were able to, you know, bring transparency to that to that uh, industry and through the marketplace uh, allow people, allow haulers to make more money and allow businesses to save more money uh, all because we were taking out that middleman. It was fantastic. It was a great experiment and a great business. Yeah. So, so, so where's, you mentioned it's an experiment. It was in past tense. So, um, so you've left that behind. Uh, do you mind kind of sharing how that, how that happened what went down where it's at? Where, where the, uh, the, how it wound down or what exactly yeah, are you like, speaking of? Sorry. So when in, in just in relation to wasted, um, you, is it, is it still existing in some form? Did some, is it renamed? Is it still called wasted? Is it out there? Did it just get set down as, you know what, the market's not ready for this or something is off. So just kind of curious where it's at today. Sure. So it, it, uh, it, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, as wasted or as another uh, entity or name. Uh, we just sat it down towards the end of uh, 2000 and I believe 18, right before 19. And uh, I haven't really touched it since then. I, I tend to let uh, sleeping things just stay asleep and that's where it needs to be. But the, the concept of it and, you know, having worked in marketplaces now, I have a really uh, solid understanding of, of those dynamics. You know, everyone complains about a chicken and egg problem. Well, you have to attack them both. Uh, but back towards wasted in your question, uh, it was for me, a the end of it ended up being a really significant lesson for me in how to approach a business partner and when to really listen more to my, uh, <laughs> my six senses when it comes to business partners. That being, um, when I wound it down, the the complexity of the partnership could have really expanded uh, more legally than otherwise, just due to the the nature of the wind down of the of the winding down of that particular business. But I learned my lessons, and uh, in the future, I'll just have to do a lot more investment into figuring out, you know, whether I want to be a partner with anyone, and if I do, who those people would be. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, as I think about entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, startup founders, etc., I don't know many that have started one, their first one, that's been the success. Right? It seems like there's there's oftentimes there's um, one or two or three or four startups. Um, we'll call them failures, for lack of a better term. The startup set down, startup set down. Um, I also see that we, as business owners, get pretty tied to the business, right? We, we put our, our hearts into it, blood, sweat, tears, and it becomes a little bit of our identity. I bring this up. So how did you, and, and partnership aside, that doesn't matter, just when when you realize, hey, this we're going to just set this down. How did that go for you mentally and emotionally? And what if any advice would you give for somebody else that's thinking about starting up or is starting up and is, is just in the middle of that struggle? The struggle of winding down or the struggle of deciding whether to continue. Hmm. 
both. Let's let's start okay. with well, let's start with the, the, probably the decision whether or not to continue. Let's let's start there. Yeah. Well, you know, the decision whether to continue or not really comes down for me at least with wasted. It came down to um, me just taking a step back with my day to day and examining um, everyone's effort that was being put into it. And at the time, and the whole time, I was uh, 50-50% with my partner, not just with uh, initial input being put in, but also the agreement was for input, you know, uh, effort and uh, finance. So in my mind, the contract was about, you know, not just the finances, but about effort that was being put in. And towards the end, I was realizing, not towards the end, I didn't know when the end was going to be, but, you know, later on, I was seeing that and feeling and observing that I was putting in more effort to the business than my partner was. And when I would ask him to do work uh, or handle a piece of, of work, it would always come back with a very abrupt, uh, no, that's not what I'm doing. No, I'm not doing that. And it came to the point where whatever I would ask him to do, it would always be a no. So I was talking uh, with some people at that time who actually were wanting to invest in Wasted because they thought it was an amazing idea. It was a great, uh, it was a great uh, benefit, not just for them financially, but it was a great benefit for uh, the recycling industry and for sustainability and for environmentalism in order to um, encourage businesses to recycle, right? And for business, and not just businesses, but also the waste haulers. So in the end, though, it came down to me realizing that I was putting in too much time when he was putting in any time. And it wasn't that I was afraid of putting in time. It's just I already understood his personality. So I decided to meet with him, go over what was going on. And he immediately said, well, why don't you just give me, you know, a certain percent, you know, all of your stuff and we'll just, you know, walk away and, and I'll run it from there. To which I said, you know, I don't really think that's a fair proposal. Why don't we just wind it down? So we did. And it wasn't an easy decision. It was a very hard decision. And it wasn't an easy one to deal with for you know, quite some time after that decision was made. Um, and how I dealt with it was, uh, yeah, I probably got, uh, I was definitely upset by it. And definitely uh, down a bit about it and about myself because of it. It wasn't the great, amazing success I would have liked it to be, but that's because I was measuring success from a different metric, right? I wasn't yet measuring it from the metric of a wound down business and all the success it had up until that wind down. So my advice to, to startup founders, to entrepreneurs, to small business owners, uh, those terms kind of get thrown around as if they mean different things, but in the end, it's someone working their ass off to start a business and make a living doing it. Um, when you have to wind something down, mental health, make sure you have someone that you can talk to that isn't just a friend or a colleague. Make sure you're seeking uh, to speak with an actual mental health professional because it really can be a hard process to go through, especially if you don't have someone to talk to. But if you don't have or you don't feel comfortable talking to a mental health expert, make sure you have someone to talk to. Because oftentimes it's just the, the therapy of talking, which can be the most helpful. 
in a wind down. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what comes to mind is as a, as a, as a leadership coach, what I found is it can, it can just the talking it out thing is so valuable. Um, really at all, at all stages, whether, whether it's at the ideation stage or, or the, you know, the, the maintenance stage or growth stage or the wind it down stage, I think, um, everywhere along the journey, having somebody, uh, a, a, a trusted confidant that you can go and talk to, unload to, share ideas with really becomes invaluable. And my experience been, especially in, um, my experience in business and especially with businessmen is we tend to not do that, especially if there's something that, that we find challenging, like we want to just, we'll deal with it. We'll figure it out. We don't want to talk to people necessarily. So um, is that something you've always been able to do or is that something you learned really through, through this shutting down wasted? I, I so that's a good question. And I'm going to put, if you hold on to that for one second, I had a, a, something come to mind. Um, so I'm, I'm a fractional CTO. What that means is for me is I used to develop back in the early knots. So like 2001, 2002. And one of the things you do as a developer, and this is a very developer centric uh, comment is it's called rubber duck debugging, which literally means if pretend there's like a rubber duck or have a rubber duck next to you. And if there is a problem with your code that you can't figure out to solve, tell the duck what's going on. And sometimes just the process of talking out loud solves it. You'll be able to figure out what the issue is. So that's very similar in a way to what we were talking about as far as just being able to talk to someone. Sometimes that someone, while you shouldn't talk to rubber dog for mental health, it just the, the act and the process of talking out loud, it gives you a different voice besides the one that you might have internally. So for me, um, I'm very stubborn. And my wife would 100% agree with that comment. And that sometimes it's very difficult because you want to do everything on your own, especially when it comes to a business that you are the founder of, that you're putting skin in the game. It's very hard for people that are in that position to let go because they have all the emotional ties to it. But I think the brilliance in business comes when you're able to build yourself out of it. And the real, um, the ability to really enjoy your business is when you can build yourself out of the details, out of the intricacies. Because the more you ingrain yourself into a business, the harder it is for that business to grow and especially survive and thrive after you've left. And maybe it won't survive and thrive after you've left and it becomes a less attractive business for potential investors and potential acquisitions. They, don't, they realize that without you, it's nothing. So they might not even be interested in it. So the more you can you can uh, automate yourself or hire yourself externally, the better off the business will be in the short and long term. And undoubtedly, um, so often we see people that start a business and they become, well, this the 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 saying you know I wear the, the business owner wears so many hats, um, and really they just they've they've created a high stress job uh, for themselves that they're, that they're tied to until, until they make the, the step, the leap to do what you're saying and start to system systemize processes, 
um, eliminate the things that aren't necessary, delegate where wherever possible, and, and kind of elevate themselves up out of the business so that they can work on the business, the business yep. functions. But if they want to work on something else, it's still rolling. Yep. And, uh, you know, in, in my capacity as a consultant, there's a number of people I work with. Uh, one in, uh, uh, comes to mind is a very good friend of mine. He's a local uh, general contractor down here. And when we first met, he was busy, 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 busy. And he still is busy. But he was dealing with the day-to-day. And he hadn't figured out yet how to um, pull himself out of the out of the um, day-to-day of what his business was. And it was over a series of conversations. And I'm not taking credit for what he eventually did. But eventually, he was able to change his operating model from having... Uh, a number of full-time employees as doing the work for him, the construction work for him and changing out to where he just bid everything out to different contractors and let them deal with it. Right. And Mm -hmm. it changed his, his uh, business completely changed his happiness. He just went on, he goes on vacations now. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, But you know, to your point of whether and when to, not whether and when, or, or it's more like it, it's all of them. It's whether and when and how to remove yourself from the day to day and the grind of a business. You're always going to be grinding. You're always going to be working, but I'll, I'll draw a parallel to just, you know, the startup world where some people like to look at startups as you do everything you can do and you do it manually for as long as you can, right? It's those pieces that are, that become complex and overtasking that are manual, those are the ones you automate. And that's how you start to automate a business. You look at what you're doing as a person that you just can't do anymore or you don't have enough time to do. You say, okay, I'll develop that. And then you just progress through your business. You say, I'll develop that now. And I'll develop that now. And over time, you're able to, in a way, develop yourself out of the day-to-day but still maintain the level of um, leadership you need because you're either developing or you're hiring yourself out of each position. I wish I could hire mm-hmm. myself out of marketing right now because I don't like doing it. I love the creative process, but when it comes to the, the, the minutia of trying to figure out how to do newsletter campaigns or marketing campaigns, it's just not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, and, and, and recognizing that it's, you know, to put it at the top of the list of things to move out. Yeah. Of yep. your calendar. 100%. So, reminded of I'm, earning my way to the, I'm earning my way to that to that mark. That's <laughs> going to be one of the first things <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Uh, so, real quick, as you, as you were talking about wasted and some of the reasons for the business, you hit on kind of environmental issues. Almost so, the undertone was... Um, kind of the reasons behind it, encouraging people to recycle, eliminating some of the waste in the process. Um, are you, was that just a coincidence that it happened to deal with some environmental issues or social responsibility, I'd almost call it? Or is that something that's been a pattern or trend for you and kind of where your heart's at? Hey, listen, I, I, I am uh, 100% committed to environmental solutions. Um, I've always been extremely concerned about, always, I've been extremely concerned about, let me say always, I, not always, um, but I'd say over the past 10, 15 years, very concerned about um, just our impact on uh, our country and our, and our planet and how 
what we do can uh, have uh, can will have an impact on our future generations, right? So whenever I I do things, I try to in the proper circumstances and the proper framework measure those actions against um, what they may cause in the future. So for me, environmental sustainability and government and uh, governance is a very uh, interesting area of business and finding solutions in those areas is always a bright spot for me. So when Wasted came along and I was learning how much trash was being thrown into a landfill, uh, it kind of, it was very, it scared me and it still scares me um, that there is not a good solution for um, the in recycling pyramid and recycling is even at the top of the pyramid recycling is you know several steps below the ultimate the ultimate is to um pretty much reuse the the components or the or the items that you have and if you can't reuse them then it you're gonna i'm gonna trip myself up here um it would be to Cycle, reuse, and replace. I don't know. <laughs> but it's either reusing the items or personally or setting them off to re be repurposed but without having to be recycled. Recycling to me is more about when you uh, take a product, say wood, and you turn it into paper and you turn a paper into uh, a product that is of lesser quality. That's really what recycling is. Um, but yeah, as far as ESG, it's been on my top of my mind for a very long time. So as a, as a fractional CTO working on, and you've given it away, you're working on uh, marketing more than you'd like to now, where, uh, where, are you, where are you headed? What's, what's, what's on the horizon for you, Jason? The horizon for me? Well, you know, I am uh, selling my services as a fractional CTO. And what that means uh, for me, at least, is a client can come to me for a wide swath of services. And I'll say soup to nuts to people that understand what I'm really, what I'm, the area I'm talking about. But for uh, customers who aren't aware, it would be helping them with their technology stack. It could be doing a strategy session for a new product or a new business, and that's product. The strategy session could be could entail doing uh, not a business plan, but a business model canvas to kind of start identifying uh, their their customers, their use cases, the problems that they have, not business, but the problem that the customers have, um, and then trying to find some strategic advantages. And from there, start building out the, the product, building out being uh, gathering the requirements that not just the owner's need, but also that their customer's need. So that could involve uh, interviews with uh, customers or potential customers for the business. And once you have enough of the documents, you create the document requirements, which I'm very happy to do for customers. And, you, and then I would pass that document requirement to uh, several different development shops, locally and internationally, in order to get the best match for a customer. Because 
one of the things I learned with Wasted is you don't, it, it's very hard. The relationship you have with your development team is very, uh, it requires a lot of constant communication with the project manager that's assigned to you. Hopefully you're able to form a relationship depending on the size of your development shop with the, the CEO or the CTO so that maybe you can get some eyes on problems faster than you could otherwise if you went with a larger shop who was spread just as thin as the shop you're with. But since you have a direct relationship with those uh, owners or the founders of that development shop, maybe you get a little more attention. But the reality is whenever you have work with, when you're offshoring work, you get the attention that you pay for. And that's very, very hard. And unless you have someone that's on your team fighting for you on a regular basis to get the work done in a timely fashion, you're going to end up uh, spending more time than you want to. And if you don't have a fixed contract, spending more money than you want to. Um, and then let's say we fast forward, the development gets done and I'm marshalling it through it for a client. Then it's helping them with the, with the launch of that product and also the marketing of that product. And like I said before, marketing isn't my forte. So what I do is when I, when I come to pieces of a business that I've been hired to do like a launch, I automatically uh, either require them to hire a marketing person directly or allow me to make suggestions to them to, for them to hire a marketing person. And then, and then you launch. And it's not just launching and there you go. It's more like the whole entire time that you are building out a product, you need to be marketing the whole entire way. And while I don't enjoy doing the actual marketing, I'm very aware that marketing should be done from day one all the way through launch and beyond. Because no one wants to market to crickets. That's what you do if you don't market pre-launch. Sure, sure. If you if you wait till launch day, there's been there's, I consider, on ramp comes to mind. Like there's a reason they give us on ramps on freeways to get up to speed, so that we're, we're, we're it's it's not as dangerous. That's not a great analogy for this because uh, essentially, if you don't, there is no on ramp. You're just sitting on the shoulder, and everybody keeps going by because they don't even recognize you. Yeah, and and so many and so many, and and I think it's when you've worked with when a business is just starting out and let's say the, the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur founder is experienced, you know, this is where a coach come in and obviously coaches aren't there to direct them on what to do. But someone like me, if I was retained as a consultant, I don't just do fractional. My bread and butter is fractional CTO, but I'm also there with my background and experience in technology and starting businesses in order to, you know, help them, and uh, provide them provide a sounding board for them when it comes to what else they need to do to be successful on the day that they want to be successful, right? I think so few people, um, especially say in the service industry, um, don't realize the the all of the pieces of a product puzzle. The product puzzle being anything that's not service related that you're trying to sell. Is it a SaaS product where you're just selling a subscription to a product, or is it a retail product? Um, that you're trying to have people come into your store or onto your website to purchase something. There are so many components to retail, either through SaaS or in person or however it may be for a business, are underlooked 
by uh, people who are just starting to do that journey. And it's extremely important to have someone on your team that, that uh, knows it. Is it underlooked because they, they don't understand it or they just don't understand the importance of it, do you think? I think they get very focused on the finish line and I think they understand it. I think they know it, but may, perhaps they don't understand the, the value in pre-selling or the value in, yeah, really it's in pre-selling. It's, it's in marketing. It's a tremendous value. And a lot of people downplay the um, fruits of it. But with today's technology, you can, <laughs> as privacy-centric as I am, I don't like saying this, but you can track your marketing campaigns to a very definitive degree to see how much return of investment, how much ROI you're getting on a specific campaign, be it through radio or TV or um, search words or you name it. It's very easy to track nowadays. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I'm going to jump back to a question earlier um, about um, the decision to um, to keep going or not. And the reason, so um, I know you made that decision at one point and you described that to us. Um, but here's what you here's what we know at, because you mentioned entrepreneurs and small business owners, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they're, they're all just people that choose to work really hard at this endeavor that they're trying to create, right? So they've got that in common. And and it does get hard. Um, it, can, it can be brutal. So what words of encouragement would you offer? Because the thing that's been coming up lately in different, you know, on social media and memes is how many people stop when they're just short of breakthrough. Um, yeah. So, and you know, that, that, that decision, it's, it, it's really, it's a personal decision. And as much as I want to say, you know, you've got to have your metrics and you have to see where they're lighting you and you have to know, uh, this is what my goal is for this year. I don't think there's any one um, identifiable uh, decision or piece of information that you make the decision off of. It, it's is it what's your family relationship like um, if you're married? What is what are your finances like if you're self-funding it, or even if you're not self-funding? And more importantly, what are your investors like? Um, what is your support structure like from a friend standpoint, from a family standpoint, from a professional standpoint? Do you have people to bounce ideas off of? Do you have anyone giving you an executive lift if they're consultants? Like you, these are all people um, that that business owners really should be relying on as a mechanism, as a sounding board. And while you don't need to take what they say as the gold standard, everything, every piece of input you get, for me at least, I, I include that in my calculation, in my calculations when I make business decisions, especially when I've been talking to these people about my business. They're familiar with everything. They know me and they know my goals at that point in time. Just like any entrepreneur, they know if they're talking to people, they know what's going on with you, right? So me, it's all about talking and it really, for Wasted, it came down to, I had come to a personal decision that I couldn't take it forward the way it was. I didn't have the finances to buy out my partner. So for me, it was an easier, it was a hard decision, but it came down to, 
financial ability, right? I wasn't going to take a large funding round just to buy out a partner. I just didn't have that in my mindset at that point in time. So that meant to me that I wasn't going to take VC money from, not VC, but I wasn't going to take uh, a friends and family round to keep me going, but also to keep my business partner in the equation. It just wouldn't have worked out the way I would have wanted it to. And I think I was too early. Personally, I was too early to go after VC money just to buy out a partner. I don't think it, I personally wouldn't have been attractive to me uh, when I put my, speaking of hats, my VC hat on, right? And speaking of hats, I don't have many hats. I have one hat with multiple brims. My walls were not big enough for all of my hats. <laughs> so I had to trim back to one hat with an infinite number of brims. I just keep rotating it. <laughs> uh, I would love to see a picture of that hat someday. I would too. I, I have to have a friend of mine who's into animation to sort of make one for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's a personal decision, and it, but it's based off, for me, it's based off of some, you know, key metrics that you, that as a business owner, you look at that, that are important for the business. And, but you know, like any decision, it's going to be based partly on emotions too. And it's just judging, judging it. Do you think you can, you know, lift it on your own? if you're closing a business or do you think you can't or are you just personally and professionally done with that uh, particular particular um, endeavor and it's hard for sure a hundred percent it's a very hard decision to make it's very impactful but you know one of the best yeah. things I think I did uh, subsequent to that was I sat down and I did a very deep dive, like a postmortem, really, on uh, the decision, but also the business, so I could reflect on it really anytime I wanted to. Um, and you know, I could probably do it again and look at it, you know, several years later through a different lens and see if I still have the same feelings and emotions that I did when I wrote it the first time. So often we, we finish one thing and run to the next without taking that time to reflect and evaluate um, and and both positive and negative. I, I think if things go really well, it's worth sitting down and, and looking back and evaluating, okay, what, what did, why did it go well? And, and, and one of the things the coach I work with has me do is when things like when I feel I've had a good appointment to reflect on that and determine what, what could I have done better? And, um, when I have a bad appointment to focus, then just write down, okay, but what went well in that? And so anyhow, yeah, and just affirm you took the yep. time to sit down and evaluate. Yeah. And you know, I don't do it nearly enough, maybe because I don't think my decisions on a day on a regular basis require me to uh, sit down and evaluate them. But what I do on a regular basis is, um, I have two structures for my life that I think are extremely important for me. Um, and one is I do a bullet journal. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, it's just a very fluid way of journaling. For me, I use it more for tasks and for note-taking. And I also do just a basic journal. Every morning I wake up, I get to wherever I'm going, I sit down, I journal for no specific period of time until I'm done. It could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes. It could be a half hour or an hour, right? I just brain dump because 
after I brain dump, my headspace is open to focus, right? So sometimes I'll be very specific about what I'm doing. Sometimes it'll be more about my emotions at that point in time. But the process of doing it is very uh, helpful and healing for me. Um, so I 100% agree about doing reflective exercises. And they don't have to be for just for bad or just for, for good because the process of doing them is what really is the most helpful process. Yeah, it's um, so this journaling habit has been a challenge for me to uh, to be disciplined about. Um, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm still not 100%. Um, so... Yeah, but you realize you that doing? you don't have to be 100%. You have to be consistent, right? And consistency doesn't require every day. Consistency just means you do it more often than not, right? You have just It's building that. Sure. I hate the word habit. It's I have very few words in my life that I just don't like saying. And habit is one of them. And the other one is, please don't call me buddy. <laughs> Besides that, I'm pretty open. So, but, you know, instead of saying habits or routines, I use the word structure because to me, when I lay, lay out a structure for my life, I'm not perfect, right? As much of a perfectionist as I try to be, I know I'm not perfect. I will never follow a straight line the whole time. I'll go up against my guardrails. And that's my structure is my guardrails, and my guardrails keep me moving in the right direction, but I'm going to bounce off them every once in a while. So if I don't journal one day, yeah, I'm bouncing, but it's going to throw me back the next day, or maybe a day later than that, I'll start journaling again and just keep moving forward. Sure, sure, sure. So... The, the the value in it, I think, is is I, I, we could probably come up with scientific data, but um, folks like yourself and and you're in good company recommending journaling because I'm thinking of uh, John Maxwell and Michael Hyatt and Brendan Burchard and, and there's a lot of folks in the in the leadership and the self improvement space and the productivity space and the message is pretty consistent. Um, build some sort of journaling. I almost use their word structure, some sort of some sort of structure for journaling and make it a part of life. Yeah, it's helpful. It's helpful for business. Get, it's helpful for personal life. How'd you get started at it? Um, I don't remember a specific uh, instance of I needed to start doing this. I was I was much younger. If I look back at my journals, I've been journaling for probably starting sometime postgraduate, so early early, uh, late nineties, early two thousands. And, uh, when I first started it, I felt like it was a more like a dear diary type of thing where I would just sort of talk about my thoughts or put my thoughts to paper. And then over time I realized that I was only doing that, but I realized it could also be a very powerful tool, um, for creativity, for, uh, for business. If I allowed myself or gave myself the permission to write about things other than what was in my head. And when I did that, it really, you know, lit a fire and allowed me to to see to see more about what I was wanting to do and to take action on those things. And sometimes I find myself in a rut about talking about just one thing, and I'm like, okay, I got to stop that and just move on to something else. Sure, sure, sure. But journaling is hard. But you have to give yourself the permission to not journal every day. Like I usually don't journal on the weekends, um, just because it's. It's, I have it in my mind. It's a Friday, Monday through Friday thing. And if I journal on the weekends, great. But it's not, I'm not going to, you know, 
shame myself for not. So that's, uh, that's so that whether it's journaling or, or, or eating right or getting to the gym or, or going for your afternoon walk. I think what you just said, hopefully that resonates with everybody listening. Uh, do you know, develop a structure don't shame yourself. Don't beat yourself up when you happen to not do it exactly like you originally wrote it out. Just get back on track when you can. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard for me because when I when I get off track something, it can be difficult for me to get back to where I want it to be, right? And it takes time. Um, and it's just allowing yourself to take that time. Like I used to walk five, six, seven miles a day uh, up until about a year ago when I had an auto accident, and it just threw my life sideways. Um, I was starting my mindset changed a little bit from being very structured on everything to, oh, let's enjoy this a little bit more. Uh, so now it's me finally getting back to the point where I am walking more often. I am doing the things that are um, less immediate uh, happiness and more long-term happiness, right? I don't have the, I, the need for immediate fulfillment that I used to. Um, because of the accident, but now it's okay. My immediate fulfillment is done. Now let's focus on, you know, practicing a more healthy lifestyle, practicing uh, habits that will, I'm not going to say extend my life, but up my chances of being able to live a longer life so I can spend that time with my family and my kids, my friends. Yeah. 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 You, uh, so I'm going to try two things together as we're, as we're, we're, we're getting close to it, to wrapping here and landing the plane. But, um, just now you talked about uh, taking the time to just kind of enjoy, um, enjoy life. Um, in the introduction, you, you happened to mention lover of the outdoors. What, uh, what are your favorite, what are your top two activities or, or what do you love about the outdoors? <laughs> uh, you know, I live in, in uh, South Florida and it's just a concrete jungle and yeah, there's trees down here, but there's not forests down here. So whenever I can have the opportunity to walk or hike deep in a forest, or even if I'm, yeah, just hike deep in a forest, that is extremely grounding for me. I don't know what it is about Mother Nature, but it just helps me reset and recenter everything. My thought process become clearer. My energy just like triples, scarily enough, <laughs> and it's just a very um, positive environment for me to be in. Um, so just being in the woods, is that hiking? Is it biking? Is it, you name it, right? It's just, it's just my, it's, it's my zone. It's my jelly. Um, and anything that goes with that, is it white water rafting? Is it stow skiing? Is it, it's everything that's not in South Florida is what it is. So I have to find, uh, you know, family vacations. Like, let's go to Colorado. Let's go to Maine. Let's go to northern Florida and just camp for a little bit. Who knows? It doesn't matter. As long as I'm in the woods, I'm really happy. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Um, so with that, so I, I would say, I would say if you don't want it to blow up, don't, don't give it away your secret spot. But then I realized, I, I don't know that this, I don't know that we have that much reach and impact in this particular show just yet. So with that, what, uh, what's your favorite place to hike that you found so far? Oh man. Um, I really like Acadia national park in Maine. It's just a beautiful area of the, of the country. Um, 
Colorado. Colorado has some of the best hiking I could ever imagine. I also like Utah. And um, Arches National Park was gorgeous. So I don't have a favorite. People always ask me, what's your favorite this? I'm like, I don't have a favorite. I have favorites. It's very hard for me to isolate any one thing that was so much better or more impactful to me than something else. So I say, eh, here's a list of favorites. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is, is a gift and a blessing in and of itself that you've got multiple places. Like, ah, that's like, very like true. You, just, you know, that's very it true. It just speaks to, to, to a richer, a richer existence. So that's pretty cool. Richer, um, more fortunate is really what it is. And I'm very well, sure. keenly aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a question I would like to finish with, um, if you were to leave our listeners with one question, like what's an important or impactful question that we should all be asking ourselves, uh, what would you leave? What would you leave us with? You know, a question that I try to remember on a frequent basis is why am I doing it? Why am I in it? And the answers to that are varied, right? It's not ever about um, any one thing. And it's a very, it's a simple question, but I think the answers are very revealing um, for those people. And it might even help them, you know, have better focus on what their goals are in business and life uh, with their family, with their friends. And if they are being honest with themselves, help them start measuring um, whether they just, whether they want to continue doing what they're doing or not. Why? Why? Thanks for that. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for being here hey, for, for folks that would like to connect with you further, learn more about you, uh, investigate or, or learn more about, um, your, your, your services. How can we, how can they get in contact with you? You can find me on LinkedIn uh, under MJY, M-J-W-E-I-L. You can find me uh, at my website, jasonweil.com. Um, you can shoot an email to me, jason at worth, and then at worthwhile.xyz. It's W-O-R-T-H-W-E-I-L.xyz. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, everything you need to know about me, how to contact me. Awesome. Jason, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, Time you, is Tom. precious. So really appreciate the gift of yours. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Of course. Of course. And listeners, time is precious. So really, really appreciate the gift of yours. Thanks for joining us today. Um, remember, whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever, uh, whatever big dream God has put on your heart, remember, 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 you can. Till next time, be bold, be humble. Stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.